Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is no need to adjust your browser. It is a summer edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I am back. I am your host, Nick Hart, and it it feels good to throw the headset on really quick and uh, give a little bit of a summer update. I'm going to give you guys a quick little run-through of what this episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast is all about. It's going to be kind of tracking all of the news from this summer uh, that involves the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and some moves made by the Pittsburgh Penguins that in turn affect their AHL affiliate, the team that we know skates at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza. But when I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we want to organize this podcast? How do I want to kind of go through it? Should we go chronologically through all the news of the summer? Should we hit uh, the important things first? I was kind of thinking about it, and here's ultimately what I came down to. What we're going to run through here, this is a, a preview of the order of operations we're going to work with here. We're going to talk about free agency, of course, always a hot-button topic every single off season. Then touch on development camp a little bit. I had the opportunity to go out to Cranberry, the Pittsburgh Penguins practice facility, and get a first-hand look at all of the action, if you will, at Penguins Development Camp. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I won't dwell on it too long, but talking about Development Camp uh, gives us the opportunity to be joined by our guest for this summer edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. That's right. It's not going to be just my rambling all episode long. I have a guest as well. I will be joined by Tobias Lindbergh, one of the newest members of the Penguins organization, later in the show after that chat with Tobias. We'll talk about the NHL entry draft, new prospects joining the fold. Who did the Penguins get? Who can fans expect to see in northeastern Pennsylvania with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and in how long? And then lastly, some final news, some final notes from the summer, just quick things here and there, and uh, maybe even a bonus guest in addition to Tobias Lindbergh. Who knows? You'll have to listen to find out. But of course, free agency. Let's start there because that's what everyone wants to talk about in the offseason. And the theme of Penguins free agency this summer, I think, is a fairly obvious one. Returning players. There's just returning players left and right. Uh, we'll start with the Pittsburgh contracts, the NHL contracted guys. Uh, Kevin Churchman and Zach Trotman were both signed by Pittsburgh. Two defensemen that were with Wilkes-Barre Scranton for the majority of last season. They're both back in the fold. Two smart moves, I think, by Pittsburgh to bring these guys back. Not only did they have solid seasons with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but they're good guys in the locker room. Everyone likes working with them. Everyone likes showing up and going to the rink with those guys. Kevin Churchman had a phenomenal season in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He got called up to Pittsburgh, I think, uh, twice during the season, but didn't actually get in any games. I think if he had actually gotten the opportunity to play in Pittsburgh, it would have been somewhat of a Chad Ruedel situation. A few years ago, we saw Chad Ruedel go up. Once he actually got the opportunity to play in Pittsburgh, we didn't see him in Wilkes-Barre Scranton very much after that. Kevin Churchman was playing some of the best hockey of his career in the first two-thirds of the season. Ended up with a career-high 35 points in 71 games with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. His goal numbers took a dip from the previous season. He had nine in his one season with the Manitoba Moose. That dipped down to four with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Uh, but that always seemed to be kind of like a theme throughout the season with Kevin Churchman. You were always like, geez, he's playing so well. He's playing so well. He's denying scoring chances in transition. He's creating scoring chances for teammates. But the pucks just weren't going in off of his stick very often. I think he'll probably 
end up scoring more than four goals for Wilkes-Barre Scranton next year, but a career-high 31 assists to reach that 35-point total. You can't argue with that. And Zach Trotman, more of a stay-at-home type. You don't expect him to put up big numbers, but at the end of the day, he led to Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins with a plus 24 rating. Uh, I'm not sure if those listening put that much stock into that kind of a statistic. I tend to turn my nose at it sometimes, but at the end of a season on a team that uh, was sort of balanced in terms of goal differential overall and a guy that didn't create a ton of offense, Zach Truman seeing that high plus-minus total that led the team, it does suggest to you that he definitely wasn't being scored on. He wasn't being scored on much at all because if he wasn't putting the puck in the back of the net or creating scoring chances for his team, all of those pluses had to be racked up gradually throughout the season and not many setback games where he was dash two or dash three, things like that. Once again, solid returning defenseman right there on NHL contracts. Then Pittsburgh locked down a bunch of their restricted free agents, guys that you kind of expected to be back, but we'll go through the formality anyway. Jean-Sebastien D signed another one-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and how good was he last year for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins? 70 contests, career high. 50 points en route to being named the team's MVP at the end of the regular season. He also had five games with Pittsburgh, scored his first NHL goal, an exciting season all around for JSD. Teddy Bluger is back, another fantastic season by him as well. Thomas DePauli and Ethan Prow will be back in the fold as well. Pittsburgh just signed those last three guys that I mentioned in the past few days as of recording. This is the week of July 18th by the way, for those of you that want to put a timestamp on this episode that might go back and listen to it a little bit later in the summer. Teddy Bluger, I have a lot of time for that young man. Um, we can talk about the points, the numbers, things like that, over 20 goals, over 20 assists last season, but it's everything else that he really brings to the table that makes him so valuable to the Penguins organization overall, whether he's playing in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, or in Pittsburgh. I'll touch on that in a little bit, but He's just an ace penalty killer, always the first forward over the boards uh, and the invent of a penalty kill upcoming for his team. Just so, so smart. He has worked really hard on improving his skating. I still wouldn't call it necessarily a strength for him. It's not one of his strong suits. And, I mean, he'll tell you that himself. He always wants to improve his skating. But because he's so smart, he doesn't let it really hold him back. He's improved so much, so he can still get from A to B. He's not lagging behind the play by any stretch of the imagination, but he knows where to go. He knows where to go, whether he has or doesn't has the puck. He knows how to angle opponents to force them into making decisions that they don't want to make or forcing opponents that are carrying the puck into traffic. He knows how to find those soft spots in the offensive zone. So there's a lot to like about Teddy Bluger, so much so that I'm not sure how much we'll actually see him in Wilkes-Barre Scranton uh, next season. I would venture to say we'll see him for at least 20 games. Beyond that, I'm really not sure because maybe this is a situation where Pittsburgh has an injury or they're really looking for that fourth, third-line center that's right up Teddy Bluger's alley after a while. I mean, I think he could probably play the wing too if you're really trying to plug holes in Pittsburgh if they have a couple penalty killers go down with injury or who knows Jim Rutherford is always wheeling and dealing things like that and they need someone to come up and fill that kind of role there's no one better than Teddy Bluger I don't think right now at least in terms of the Penguins pipeline so we'll see how much we actually see him in Wilkes-Barre Scranton next season if you end up getting him for 
50-some games, I think that's huge. He'll probably get to 50 points for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Great, great stuff. Often his penalty killer partner in crime, Thomas DePauli, he'll be back as well. A young man that's just been plagued by various injuries throughout his short career, but we saw him have a great start to last season, putting the puck in the back of the net a lot. Uh, this kid has just faced so much adversity in the early goings of his career, but I think if he can actually settle in and have a full season, you'll see much improvement from Thomas DePauli. Ethan Prow is an interesting case as well because there's no reason to think that he has anywhere to go but up. He actually played 59 games his rookie season with Wilkes-Barre Scranton and had that number reduced to 40 games last season. And yet, he still managed to top his previous season's totals in goals and points. If you could see, whenever he would play a handful of games in a row, he would gain some confidence and be kind of the puck-moving defenseman that was much needed in the Penguins lineup at times. There were a lot of big guys. They all brought a, a physical element, a bruising element, whereas Ethan Prow, whenever he was out there firing on all cylinders, he brought something different to the Penguins' defense core, and it was much, much needed. And I think he'll get an expanded role this upcoming season. And if he can assume that same sort of puck-moving prowess, maybe even help out on the man advantage here and there, it could probably be another really good season for Ethan Prow. He's in an interesting position going into his third-year pro here. If he can play more than 40 games this upcoming season like he did last year with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, I think Ethan Prow can do some some pretty good things. It's, it's that time in his career. He's 25 years old. He'll turn 26 in November. This is the time where you really like to see Ethan Prow take that next step in his career. And if he gets the appropriate amount of ice time and opportunity, he should seize it. I can easily see that taking place for Ethan Prow. Well, those are all NHL contracted players. Wilkes-Barre Scranton, of course, trying to make some moves happen in their own right. General Manager Bill Guerin was very busy on the phones. And the theme, once again continuing, returning players. These are all guys that were signed to AHL contracts by the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins this summer. Ryan Haggerty, Jared Burton, Joseph Cramarosa, Kevin Spinozzi, Patrick McGrath, Cam Brown, Troy Josephs, all of those players skated in at least one game for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins last summer, or pardon me, last season. And you can't forget about the addition of Will the Thrill O'Neal. That's right, Will O'Neal will be back in a Penguins uniform next season. He spent the past two years as part of the Flyers organization, but now he's back with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And this guy's excited to be here. I had a chance to get him on the phone, uh, set up a conference call with Tom Vineski, the Times leader. And, of course, when you get signed by a new team, you always want to say you're excited. You probably are excited whenever you sign those contracts with a new team. But Will O'Neill really is genuinely thrilled to be back with the Penguins organization. And it's kind of easy to understand why. Things kind of went sour for him with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms late last season uh, he finally got that NHL debut earlier in the year with the Philadelphia Flyers but he was scratched in the playoffs Will O'Neill understandably not really happy about it now that he's coming back to Wilkes-Barre Scranton this is where he had maybe his best season as a professional back in 2015-16 his only season with the Penguins he had 42 assists that led the entire team that season it was the first time that a defenseman led the Penguins in assists at the end of the season, I think since Mickey DuPont did it uh, close to a decade before, and 50 points on the year. He represented the Penguins at the AHL All-Star Classic. Easily 
or at least statistically, you can see it being his best career as a professional. Will O'Neill spoke so highly about what it meant to him personally that season, and that's a big reason why he's so excited to come back and join the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And that's another guy that brings a, a puck-moving element, a power play element, a power play threat. Will the Thrill O'Neill is going to be back in a Penguins uniform, but on an American Hockey League contract. Thrilled. I know I am. I'm excited to have Will O'Neill back, and I imagine Penguins fans that saw him conduct business back in the 2015-16 season en route to that AHL All-Star appearance are pretty excited as well. Quickly going back to some of those other names on AHL contracts by the Penguins, Ryan Haggerty, he was a goal-scoring machine for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the first half of the year. So, so good. Ended up setting career highs and goals, assists, points, and it was kind of a tale of two seasons for him because he got injured after scoring all those goals in the first half of the season. I think it was January he went down with the injury, came back in March, and he just wasn't the same player. You could tell more than anything he just didn't have the same kind of confidence, but that's not for lack of effort. Ryan Haggerty was still moving his feet. Fans know how fast of a player he is and how he can really push the pace of play with his skating ability. There were a couple practices where Ryan Haggerty, after skating with the team and then doing his workout with strength and conditioning coach Mike Joyce, he would then put a track suit on and then go back out onto the ice and continue working on his shot. And his shot's so good to begin with, but he's just trying to find that that confidence again, find that stroke in his release to get it bar down into the top corner. It never really came to fruition in the second half of the year, but if he can get back to that like he was for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the first half of 2017-18, a lookout. That's a huge goal-scoring threat back in the Penguins lineup. So good to see Ryan Haggerty back with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. He spent the past two years with the Penguins organization. Going to make it a third in 2018-19. Jarrett Burton, just a great all-around two-way player. He contributes on the penalty kill. He wins key face-offs. Another guy, once again, that's great to have in the locker room. He's never a problem to anyone around him. Everyone loves Jarrett Burton. Helps kind of round out your bottom six. He can play center or you can move him to the wing. Just a great guy to have back. Excited to have Jarrett Burton back with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Joseph Cramarosa is an interesting case as well because he was traded to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins on Valentine's Day. So he comes to the Penguins midway through the season. In 28 games with the Penguins, he has 12 points. He was kind of playing a bottom six role, occasionally slid up the lineup. But to kind of be a guy that put up points at a every other game pace, pretty good. Pretty good, right, especially because he exceeded his point total with the Stockton Heat in way more games that he had played earlier that season prior to the trade. But because I know myself and maybe some other fans were so interested in the pace at which he was racking up points to exceed what he was doing in Stockton, we kind of missed the big picture. He quietly had the best season of his American Hockey League career with a total of 22 points, 10 in Stockton, 12 in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He had never had that many points in the AHL before. So it was his best season at the American Hockey League level by far. And there's probably another level that he can tap into. I think that's very reasonable to think because we saw what Joseph Cramarosa brings to the table. He can, he can finish. He's a finisher. I'm not sure how much of a generator of offense he is but he's definitely a finisher he is that shot from the high slot there would be times where a teammate would win a puck battle and it would pop right out to Joseph Cramarosa and it was almost a guaranteed goal he would just rocket it over the goalie's glove red light goes on 
arms go up, and the crowd goes wild. Other times where he's just stuffing in pucks around the front of the net. He gets loose from a defenseman. That puck comes to him. He's not missing. He would finish those opportunities every single time. So with a full season with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, another guy that will turn 26 early in the season, I think it's very reasonable to believe that he'll even get an uptick in point production from those career-high 22 points he had last season. I'm not saying, hey, expect 30 goals from Joseph Cramarosa, but this is a guy that I think can really be relied on by fans, teammates, coaching staff alike to chip in regularly with secondary scoring for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And what more can you really ask for from guys that are going to play bottom six roles? That's kind of weird calling it a bottom six role because you're almost assigning guys to a third and fourth line. But a guy that plays a style that's more about creating energy, creating energy, being a hard forechecker, being hard to play against. That's the phrase that all coaches use nowadays. Joseph Cramarosa is hard to play against. Make no doubt about it. And he, because he can chip in in those other ways, and I would expect him to have even more than his 22 points that he had last season, that's a good thing to have. That's what you can ask from those kind of energy players. No real new faces on AHL contracts, but there are still some newbies coming in on NHL deals. Let's talk about those guys. Jimmy Hayes, Stefan Elliott, John Muse, and another one from Europe that I'll get to in a minute. A little bit of a tease right there. I'll make you wait for it. Jimmy Hayes, uh, he went to New Jersey on a tryout last year, ended up making their team, ended up playing three games in Binghamton, but for the most part spent the entire year in the NHL. But I'm not sure really where he fits on Pittsburgh's depth chart, and he signed a two-way contract leading one to believe that both the Penguins organization and Jimmy Hayes think that he'll spend most of the season in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. He's a big guy, really big guy. Six foot five is what he's listed as, as I'm looking at right now on the internet. Big guy, smart with the puck, good puck skills, especially for a big guy as well. That's what makes Jimmy Hayes stand out from the pack. And you kind of have to go back to 2013-14, no, even beyond that, 2012-13, now I'm looking at it, 2012-13, that's the last time Jimmy Hayes spent a full season in the American Hockey League, 67 games with the Rockford Icehogs, and in that season, he had 25 goals and 45 points. That would be very, very welcome to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins lineup if he can get back to that kind of production if he does ultimately spend a majority of the season in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Once again, these are NHL-contracted players, so they're always at risk of being called up to the NHL, spending as many as you know, 2 to 82 games with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll see how it plays out, but my expectation as of right now where we stand in the summer, Jimmy Hayes will be spending some time in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Stephon Elliott, a defenseman who was drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, a highly touted offensive defenseman, out of the Western Hockey League a few years ago. He's making his return to North America after two seasons abroad in Europe, one in the KHL, one in the SHL, and he represented Canada at the Olympics last year, so he's got that pedigree to him as well. After leaving the KHL, he went to the SHL last year, Swedish Hockey League, and he did really well. He was second among team defensemen in points, just kind of consistently helped create offense for a Swedish Hockey League team, and like I mentioned, played for Canada at the Olympics. Now he's back in North America. I mentioned that he was a offensive wonderkind as a defenseman back in junior. He spent a lot of time rounding out his defensive game, 
as he turned pro. The numbers never really came to fruition at the NHL level. He was always kind of bouncing between the NHL and AHL during his time in North America. But in the AHL, you can trust this guy to once again move the puck for you. He likes to carry it himself sometimes from blue line to blue line. Just be take it upon himself to get the puck out of the zone and then throw it deep. He likes to flick wrist shots from the point. It's not always a booming slap shot. He just wants to get it off quick and get it on goal, and that helps create scoring opportunities for teammates at the front of the net. And based on some of these other names that I've mentioned so far that are going to be returning to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, they like that. They like stuffing in pucks right around the crease, scoring those kind of goals. So Stefan Elliott brings that element to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. I'd call him a two-way defenseman. He really has improved his defensive game so, so much since he was 18, 19 years old, playing for the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League. It's going to be interesting to see what Elliott brings to the table once the puck is actually dropped on the Penguins' 20th season of hockey. John Muse, a goaltender signed by the Pittsburgh Penguins to an NHL contract. Solid find by the Penguins organization. He had a fantastic season last year for the Reading Royals and Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Pretty much his whole career, Muse has been an AHL goaltender. He hasn't logged any NHL games. He had a call-up early, early in his career to the Carolina Hurricanes. Never gotten any games, though. And he's been consistently a goaltender at the AHL level that's performing just above 900 save percentage, maybe 19s, around 910, 912. That's kind of the average you get from him. But in the ECHL, he's absolutely dynamite. Last year with the Reading Royals, he had a 931 save percentage in the ECHL. That is impressive. And then in the playoffs, the Reading Royals didn't get very far, but he had a 9.35 45 save percentage. When the games are supposed to get harder and everything's all the more important in the postseason, a 945 save percentage. And then in some time called up to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, he was a revelation. There was a period of time for the Phantoms last year when a bunch of goalies were getting hurt in Philadelphia, so they were calling up guys from Lehigh Valley, and then goalies in Lehigh Valley were getting hurt. A uh, lost season for Anthony Stolarz really kind of put a ding in their goaltending depth, and yet... In 15 games with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, he had a 919 save percentage, a 246 goals against average. He was so good for Lehigh Valley that Philadelphia felt compelled to give him an NHL contract for the rest of the season. Had it been necessary that, once again, more injuries befall the crease in Philadelphia, they knew they could call up Johnny Muse, and he played so well in both Reading and Lehigh Valley that they felt confident that, hey, if it comes to that, we're okay with this. But that brief NHL contract expired this summer. Now he's with the Penguins organization. A great add to the goaltending depth of the organization. He'll help Wilkes-Barre Scranton or he'll definitely help Wheeling if he ends up in the ECHL. Goaltending looks to be solid at the AHL level for the Penguins organization. If there's any concerns or reservations that people have about what the Penguins are going to look like next season, I really don't think goaltending should be one of them. Speaking of which, let's kind of Take a look at the remaining free agency landscape uh, before we try and dissect what the Penguins are actually going to look like next season. There is only one remaining restricted free agent for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is Tristan Jari. Oh, boy. Wait. No. Pause. 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 Well, don't actually press pause on your listing devices because I want to go back and talk about I said I was going to talk about him before, and I didn't. So it's only appropriate that I talk about Yuso Ricola. A European defenseman played in the Finnish league last year, was signed by Pittsburgh. They really like this kid. Puck-moving defenseman, 
good on the man advantage, really, really good numbers on a really good Finnish Liga team last year, and then represented Finland at the IHF World Championships. As soon as that tournament ended, the Penguins had Rikola put pen to paper and sign with the Penguins organization. But because Pittsburgh went out and signed Jack Johnson to a deal and was able to bring back RFA Jamie Alexiak, there's not really a space for Rikola right now in Pittsburgh. Now, of course, we all know injuries happen, trades happen, things could open up, and then Rikola might end up in Pittsburgh. He might be that guy. But as it stands right now, I think we'll see him in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. And it's going to be interesting to see how he makes the adjustment to the North American game. That's going to be the biggest thing for Ricola, especially a smooth skating, puck-moving defenseman whose game is based on opening up the ice and getting his team to the other end of the attacking zone, figuring out how to work on the smaller ice surface because things happen a lot faster at the American Hockey League level compared to the Finnish Liga level, and they're going to happen in a much smaller space, a much more confined space, a much more physical game than Ricola is used to. The Penguins organization is high on him. They like him a lot. I think if the season started today, he'd be in a position where he would be the, quote, first call-up, unquote, to Pittsburgh, but who knows how things play out once the season begins. Had to get that mention of Yuso Ricola in there because it really makes the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins defense corps all the more formidable with guys like Chris Summers returning, but also Kevin Churchman, Zach Trotman, Ethan Prowl is going to be back as well. Yuso Ricola in there, Will O'Neill. You kind of have a nice blend right there between defensemen that can move the puck, get it up ice, Stefan Elliott as well, sorry, and then physical guys, your Trotmans, your Summers, uh, Churchman. We talked about it so much last season, how good he was at transition defense, just ending plays for opponents when they had a two-on-one or three-on-two. Number seven always seemed to step up and either deflect the puck out of play or straight up strip the opponent of the biscuit and start things going the other way. It's a good blend right now for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins defense, especially with Yuso Ricola as an option. Now, the remaining free agency landscape. Tristan Jari, the only remaining restricted free agent for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't sign. I'd be surprised if he was given a an offer sheet by an opposing team just because that really just doesn't happen, even though it's written into the rules that you can do that with certain restricted free agents. You never see anyone pull the trigger on it. And plus, if someone was to give Jari an offer sheet, I'd imagine it wouldn't be so outlandish that Pittsburgh couldn't match it. So that's the really only remaining business to be tended to by the Penguins organization. All the other restricted free agents have been signed. They went out and got those UFAs in Jimmy Hayes, Stefan Elliott, John Muse, and Yuso Ricola that are probably going to help Wilkes-Barre Scranton. If there's one more thing that the Penguins probably need, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins right now, it might be just another goal-scoring threat winger. It's one more guy to make you feel a little bit more comfortable that he will consistently put the puck in the back of the net because JSD was great for the Penguins last year, but you never know how long he'll be around. He could be up in Pittsburgh. Teddy Bluger, same thing, over 20 goals last season, but how many goals are you taking out of your lineup if he were to assume a regular role in Pittsburgh? Daniel Sprong, it seems like all indications out of Pittsburgh is that they're going to give him every opportunity to stick in the Steel City. That's a lot of goals out of your lineup right there. I think the Penguins would feel a little bit more comfortable with just one more goal-scoring threat. Not necessarily a guy that, you know, will put up Daniel Sprong like numbers. Those 
those guys just don't grow on trees at the AHL level. They don't grow on trees at the NHL level, for that matter, the level of goal-scoring talent that Daniel Sprong has. Now, you have to remember the Penguins are going to have Sam Lafferty and Anthony Angelo, two college rookies becoming first-year pro. I'll be honest, Sam Lafferty by far exceeded my expectations of what I thought he was capable of during his brief time on an ATO with Wilkes-Barre-Scranton last year, and Anthony Angelo had that dynamite playoffs for the Penguins, came in and really was a force, threw his weight around, showed what he could do, especially that final playoff game, not the result I know that you Penguins fans were looking for, but Anthony Angelo was kind of a breakout star, perhaps a forgotten storyline in that game. But what can you really expect out of them? You can't just go ahead and automatically pencil in those guys for 20 goals. They might do it. They probably have the talent to do it, especially a guy like Angelo standing around the front of the net, bullying his way with power moves to the crease. You just can't automatically pencil them in. They're kind of wild cards right now, which once again would make one more free agent goal-scoring threat make me feel a little bit more comfortable. That's just me. I don't know about you. Changing gears a little bit to development camp. I won't dwell on this because I just expelled a lot of energy, just motor in my mouth, talking about free agents and things like that. So I won't spend a ton of time on development camp, especially because it was already several weeks ago. But if you saw the roster for Pittsburgh Penguins development camp, there were very few draft picks on the roster. A lot of college free agents, but those few Pittsburgh draft selections all looked really good. They really did. And then there was Linus Alunt. And this young man's good. He's really good. He was a cut above the best in a lot of these skills drills, the individual skills drills that the Penguins were doing throughout this camp. Linus Olund always looked to be a cut above the pack. He signed an ATO with the Penguins at the end of last season, during the postseason, actually. In fact, never got a chance to get any games, but the Penguins coaching staff was really excited about him. And based on what everyone saw at development camp, That has not changed. This is a young man that likes to drive the play, but he plays physical, gets his nose dirty. He's not huge, but he just has a huge heart. And once again, coming from Europe, where you have that wider ice surface and things like that, he played a pretty heavy game over there. Played against men for quite some time with Chilefta, a very proud program in the Swedish Hockey League, Uh, almost a dynasty a few years ago. And they wouldn't let a young guy like Linus Olund just come into the lineup for fun. You know, they trusted him to play in a bottom six role, which kind of let his skills surprise you. Maybe an underrated skill element to Linus Olund as well that we saw in those drills. A great release, great shot. He was pulling off some really wicked releases. But as I kind of hype up Linus Olund for this upcoming season, I think we need to discuss what expectations should be. And there will be an adjustment period coming over from Europe to North America, um, a level of play, a level of competition that he hasn't really faced before, it's going to be an adjustment for him. He's not going to come out right away and probably have back-to-back hat-tricks in his first two games in the American Hockey League. However, I might see a little bit of a Zach Aston Reese comparable here with Linus Olund, meaning that once he has that adjustment made, because let's remember, Zach Aston Reese did not have a strong start to last season, but he finished the season in Pittsburgh playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs because once he made that adjustment, he absolutely flourished. Lena Salund, like Zach Aston Reese, has a little bit of snarl to his game. He can play heavy. He's going to get in on the forecheck. And what we saw at development camp, too, is now he has that 
skill element to him that might have been a little underrated before. It looks like he has the capability to finish in tight spaces, maybe even on the rush. We'll see how that plays out. But there's that Zach Aston Reese element to him, meaning that Linus Olund might start to break out in December and January for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. I'm excited to see this young man go to work for the black and gold next season. Someone to be really excited about. Another draft pick that I think people should really be getting excited about this upcoming season is not a draft pick by the Pittsburgh Penguins, actually. He was a draft pick of the Ottawa Senators. That is Tobias Lindbergh. Yes, you know the story of Tobias Lindbergh. If you don't know the story, we will go over it very briefly in the upcoming interview I have with Tobias. And he was acquired by the Penguins. This is the very abridged version. I'll give it to you right now. Okay, here we go. He was drafted by the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators traded Tobias Lindbergh to the Toronto Maple Leafs in a big, big deal that included Dion Phaneuf going to the Senators. A lot of bit pieces going back to the Maple Leafs, and one of which was Tobias Lindbergh. Played for the Marlies for a while until he was traded by the Marlies to the Vegas Golden Knights in a way for the Toronto Maple Leafs to try and navigate the expansion draft and Vegas Golden Knights. Likewise, they had drafted Calvin Pickard from the Colorado Avalanche. They then sent Calvin Pickard to Toronto, and the Vegas Golden Knights got Tobias Lindbergh. I said this was going to be the abridged version. There is no abridged way to tell this story. So he's in Vegas. He's with Vegas last year, playing for their AHL affiliate in Chicago. The NHL trade deadline rolls around. Pittsburgh pulls off a three-team trade, a three-team maneuvering to get Derek Broussard on their roster. And part of that maneuvering involved Tobias Lindbergh coming the Penguins' way. But the Penguins then assigned him to Chicago. They kept him with Vegas's AHL affiliate, which is rare, but it is within the rules. I know a lot of people were confused about that when it happened. Uh, we'll talk about that with Tobias Lindbergh because... He is my guest on this summer edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. The young Swedish forward is really looking forward to getting things going with the Penguins organization. And let's hear from Tobias now. I won't make you wait any longer. It is my great honor right now to be joined by one of the newest Penguins, Tobias Lindbergh. Tobias, how we doing? Pretty good. You know, uh, it's been a few, uh, few days here and it's been really fun. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to be here. Excited, I'm sure, after a, a strange way to end up with the black and gold. We'll get into the trade that landed you as a member of the Penguins technically in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you about your summer, because this development camp is kind of the first time we've gotten to see you wearing the Penguins black and gold, even though you were acquired last year. How have you spent your summer uh, before this development camp? Anything fun? Uh, yeah, for sure. I've actually been home for five, six weeks. Uh, so it's been great because usually, you know, uh, summers are short. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, the time you get at home is really special because, uh, you know, I, get, I don't get to see my friends and family that much. But uh, you know, now I've been home for quite about quite a while. So uh, I've been really fortunate to see all my friends and family a lot. Now, home for you is Stockholm. That's what all the websites say, right? Yeah, I'm actually just a little bit outside Stockholm, uh, Solentuna. Uh, me and Hornquist are okay. actually from the same little town outside Stockholm. Uh, so that's, uh, that's where my family lives, and that's where I live the most. So is that kind of a perfect place to grow up outside of a major city? So you're not quite around all the hubbub of a city that's, what, a populace of 
over a million, something like that, but yeah, you can still kind of get away in the suburbs, kind of a perfect place to grow up? I, I really think so. I, uh, I had a great childhood, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of sports out there. We played a lot of soccer. We played a lot of hockey. Uh, and, you know, we had a lake just close to our house. So we could do all the fun outdoor stuff. And then Stockholm was just a subway ride of 20 minutes in. So, you know, a pretty, pretty good, uh, good mix. Okay. Now, you brought up soccer already. And I talked to you about this a little bit already this week. Sweden's performance at the World Cup. Wow. <laughs> this, is, this has been pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah. I know uh, Linus Olun, Philip Hollander, and yourself yeah. got together the day they beat Mexico 3-0. You guys were all excited watching the game and all that jazz. Now they've moved on to the knockout stage. Switzerland is up next. Now, I think this is going to air after that game has already been played. But you seem pretty confident against Switzerland, don't you? You know, I just feel like uh, the way they've been playing, they can beat anyone. And uh, Switzerland is a team that, you know, we, we got a good draw. It could have been, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So Switzerland, we feel like, you know, it could be, could be a, it's going to be a tight game, but something that we think we can beat. All right, so if they get past Switzerland, let's say fingers crossed right now, it's Colombia and England on the next game. How do you think Sweden can handle a... Uh, Two titans of the industry, if you will. Oh, for sure. Uh, Sweden, uh, England uh, in a quarterfinal will be pretty special. And then I'll be home, too, so I could watch it with my friends and family. And uh, that would probably be an amazing day. Who's your guy's stud? Who's, like, the star of the Swedish team right now? Uh, maybe Forsberg. Okay. Uh, Emil Forsberg would be our biggest stud. But this year we don't really have, like, uh, a superstar like Slatan we, 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 that we've had before. Right. Uh, it's more of a team game this year. And, uh, you know... Everybody's been scoring. Uh, uh, our, our center back, Granqvist, has been you know amazing, and it's more it's been more of a team game this year. Uh, Forsberg doing well on the international stage for Sweden. Who would have thunk it? Of course, anytime I talk to a Swedish player that comes through the Penguins locker room, they always mention Peter Forsberg yeah. as one of their favorite players. Do you fall under that category too? Uh, Forsberg was my definite favorite player yeah. growing up. Absolutely. Uh, I just thought he could do everything. Uh, he was so big, so powerful, and so skilled. So really, he was my number one for sure. Any other favorites from when you were growing up? Anyone you idolized? Uh, I really liked Kovalchuk. Okay, really? Uh, Kovalchuk. I, uh, I thought just the way he played the game. He's so explosive and could score from any opportunity. I, I really liked. He was really thrilling and exciting to watch. Now he's back. He's made his way back to the NHL. Now that you are a pro and you're involved in this whole process, you've been through, I'm sure, signing contracts before yourself, do you still keep an eye on the way free agency plays out at the NHL level, or is it a little more outside of your realm? Uh, you know, I'm still interested. I, I like following the NHL. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I look around. I, I see all the trades and stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, just because I'm a fan from when I was a kid. Who was your favorite team growing up as a kid then? We'll say NHL team. I never had like a favorite like that. I, you know, I liked Forsberg, so Colorado was uh -huh. something cool to watch. But I, I just liked more of an individual player more than a team growing up because uh, it was hard to watch games because of the time difference when I was growing up. So more, more of an individual player. Always yeah. liked the Penguins, though. Really? Always been a Penguins fan? Uh, maybe I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to appease the masses now that you're here with Pittsburgh. Well, let's kind of dive into how you ended up here with Pittsburgh because it's a, a little bit of a funky story. Last season at the NHL trade deadline, Pittsburgh pulls off the three-team trade to bring Derek Broussard into the fold kind of as their third-line center as they went for the push, the three-peat for Stanley Cup championships. Obviously, that didn't happen, but some of the other moving parts in the trade involved Tobias Lindbergh, coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. 
but you didn't become a Penguin quite yet. They assigned you to Chicago where you were playing as part of Vegas' system. You stayed there for the rest of the season. Kind of take me through what that whole trade deadline experience was like because I know guys that we've had on the show in the past, things like that, talk about what it's like to be traded, but you were traded and then stayed put. Yeah. That's very unique. Yeah, you know, it's something that uh, when uh, when the general manager called me, he, he said to me, this is a very complicated trade and this is something I've never seen before. But I just try to, you know, I don't try to let it bother me. If I think about it too much, you know, I'm just going to go crazy. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I just said, you know, okay, whatever you guys want me to do, you know, I'll do it. I just, I just want to play. I just want to, you know, I just want to be comfortable and play. And so when they told me I was going to stay in Chicago, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But uh, a lot of teammates were surprised when I came down to breakfast the next morning. And uh, I just had to say, you know, it's, I don't really know what's going on either, but I'll, I'll play tonight. So was that uh, kind of a blessing in disguise, if you will, because that Chicago team you were playing on last year, pretty good squad. You guys were doing some good things. You didn't have to uproot your life. You didn't have to move right at the start of March or something like that. You just had the chance to stay put and still keep working with the same group of guys. Is that kind of nice in a way? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's never, uh, never fun to move like that on a day. I've done that uh, a couple of times. Uh, so that was, that was comfortable, but... Really, for me, it doesn't matter really where I play. I just want to play a lot. So, uh, you know, whoever can get me that, you know, I'll pick that team. Well, we'll see if you're going to get a ton of ice time this season in the Penguins organization because this summer you re-signed with the Penguins organization. And I see you right now at Penguins Development Camp wearing the Penguins T-shirt. Safe to say you're going to be a Penguin this season? Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. They have a pretty good team, but, uh, you know, of course, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I definitely want to play in the NHL again, and uh, I'm going to do everything I can to do it, but uh, it's probably going to take, take a little bit of convincing to, to put me in there, but I'm going to try. Well, then, let's say you don't convince them right out of the gate at training camp. A Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin, that wouldn't be too bad either, especially because of the success they've had at turning guys from the AHL level into regular NHLers, right? For sure. Uh, you know, you see uh, the Penguins have a lot of young guys that have been coming up from Wilkes-Barre, and me playing in Toronto before, we always played Wilkes-Barre, and they were always had a good team. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if Wilkes-Barre is where I play, I'll be fortunate to play there, and I hopefully I can, you know, be a leading role and play a lot. What have you learned from your time here over in North America? Because it feels like Tobias Lindbergh has been playing in the AHL or those handful of games in the NHL for a while, but you're still a young guy. I mean, it feels like you've been through a lot between a bunch of yeah. team changes, trades, things like that. What's uh, the biggest thing you may have learned from your time over here in North America? Uh, just to, uh, I feel like, you know, because there's been a lot of, a lot of trades, a lot of new cities, a lot of new teammates, a lot of injuries. So I feel like I've been trying to just uh, be more calm and just work on if I get a little better every summer, every day, I'm going to play in the NHL one day. And, you know, I'm still only 22. So I feel like, you know, if, if I make it by 26, then I make it by 26. If I make it by 23, I make it by 23. I just want to, you know, I just want to try to get a little better every day. Yeah, I still just can't believe that you're 22 all the times I've seen your name in the news or playing against the Penguins in the Eastern Conference then moving over to the Western Conference. You've already had a lot packed into a young career, but sky's the limit, I guess. I mean, there's still so much room for you to grow right now. I think uh, a good reason for the Penguins organization to be excited to have you in the fold. Yeah, for sure. I still look at myself as a, you know, as a young player, yeah. uh, even though I've packed in a lot in a few years. Uh, 
but uh, you know I'm just like I said I'm just trying to stay calm and try to get a little better every day and focus on you know the details of getting a little better and learning from you know you see these guys you know Crosby was in the gym today for a few hours uh, so you see how hard how hard these elite players work and just trying to learn a little bit from it. Did you get a chance to pick his brain at all, or did you just leave him alone while he was working out? Uh, no, you you you, know, you, you, uh, you don't want to bother him when he's, he's you know stays, when yeah. he's working. But uh, I actually um, I came to Pittsburgh two days after uh, that my season was done, and I was able to say hello and meet a couple of the guys from the Penguins. So that was pretty special and cool. Who'd you get to meet? Uh, I met a bunch of guys. I met Matt Murray. Uh, I met uh, Justin Schultz, uh, Hornquist, uh, Crosby was there. Um, that was before a playoffs game against Washington, so during game day. So uh, uh, I didn't think that was um, that was possible. You know, the team wants to be uh, exclusive, the team on game day. But uh, they brought me in, and it felt really, really calm and relaxed and uh, good atmosphere. So that was something uh, that I'll always remember. Do you have any familiarity with Hornquist in the past? You said you guys kind of grew up near the same town. Have you met him before, previously to that chance encounter that before these past playoffs? Uh, no, we don't know each other uh, that, but uh, he did say hello to me and was very nice and uh, gave me his phone number and said, you know, you should text me if you want to, you know, because we live so close to each other. But uh, I remember him coming back for the lockout in Jurgaden when I was playing there. and I was a young kid, uh, even younger. And uh, that was pretty cool, you know, because he was you know, a big NHL uh, player and uh, he just had an amazing career. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. All right. Well, I think I'm relatively satisfied with this interview right now. Once again, got to thank you for dropping in on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast summer edition. But before I let you go, I got to pick your brain on one thing. It's a common topic that comes up on the podcast, just food in general. Okay. Guys love talking about food, understandably so. I always love to chime in when discussing food. So we're going to start asking guys this season. It'll start with you. If you had a last meal, this is the last thing you're going to eat in your entire life, what is it going to be? And get as specific as possible, down to the way it's prepared if okay. you can. Okay. Uh, you know, I really had this special sushi place in Toronto who had these amazing rolls with uh, fried lobster mm -hmm. and avocado and a little spicy mayo and that was you know to this day still the best roll I've ever had okay so I'll probably go back to that place and have about 14 of those 14 of those so let's get what what spicy mayo on on fried lobster okay and uh, with a rice roll and some avocado in there they really had really had uh, fantastic sushi in Toronto and that's why I learned to really love it and appreciate it and uh, something that I eat a lot now and I really enjoy. Is there good, uh, good sushi in Sweden? Sweden has not get, gotten sushi yet. No. <laughs> you order sushi in pieces in Sweden. So okay. you go into a restaurant and you, you, you don't get to pick what you want. You get to pick how many pieces you want and they pick the sushi for you. Okay. So it's always two pieces that you don't really like with cream cheese or something that I don't like. Uh, I, d I don't get the concept at all. It, it, it irritates me a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, here in North America, it's way better. Now, especially now that you've been spoiled with that spot in Toronto, you, you don't like them telling you what sushi you're going to get. You want it the way you want it. Exactly, for sure. I just, I just don't see the point of me ordering 20 pieces of sushi and only eating 18 of them. <laughs> I... Uh, I just, I just want to order what I, what I want to eat. That is strange. But 
a lot of other good things happening in for Sweden. Sure, so sure, the, they'll, sure. they'll catch up on sushi yeah. eventually. Yeah. Once again, Tobias, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to your career as a penguin. Thank you very much. A big, big thank you to Tobias Lindbergh for taking the time out of his busy schedule that the Pittsburgh Penguins set up during development camp to take that time and talk to me. I think you could also kind of tell that the interview is a little bit dated right now. Now we know that the World Cup results for Sweden may not have been as sweet as Lindbergh was hoping for. Um, they did dispatch of Switzerland, as he predicted, but eventually Sweden did lose to England, France winning the whole thing. So congratulations to the French national team. Apologies to Tobias Lindbergh for Sweden getting bounced, but I still think it's nice for him to have that little chat and kind of introduce himself to you, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins fan base. Remember, he was drafted, although not by the Pittsburgh Penguins, a drafted prospect that's probably going to see a lot of ice time in Wilkes-Barre Scranton be put in positions to succeed. But let's talk about the recent draft picks of the Penguins organization. Once again, I'm going to kind of go through this pretty quick. Don't want to dwell on it. The Penguins came to the draft with six picks, six selections, but they left Dallas with four prospects. They did some trades. They moved up at a certain point in the draft to get a guy that they really wanted. So they came in with six picks, left with four prospects, but four pretty solid prospects at that. That is Kalen Addison, Philip Hollander, Justin Almeida, and Liam Gorman. Now, Kalen Addison was the Penguins' first pick. He was not a first-round selection. 54th overall, they took the defenseman out of Lethbridge of the Western Hockey League, but he was a young man that a lot of people were considering a first-round talent, a guy that could have gone anywhere from 20 to 31st overall, so that he ends up in Pittsburgh's lap at 54th overall. Kind of a huge pickup for them. They probably fell in love with Kalen Addison as they kept an eye on Jordy Bellreve, a prospect in the Penguins pipeline that was also playing in Lethbridge. Kalen Addison is a, I'll call him a smooth skating defenseman, but that's probably even selling him short. He's a phenomenal skater, phenomenal skater on the blue line. He changes directions on a dime. He covers so much ground in any direction in just an instant in the blink of an eye. He's exploding one direction and dart back the other way. That helps him not only offensively, but defensively in coverage as well. Um, like most young players, especially offensive defensemen, he's going to want to figure out a way to improve his defensive game. He's not lost. He's not a lost cause by any stretch of the imagination. But as he ages, as he matures and gets some physical maturity, He'll get stronger. That'll help him in that regard as well. He's a power play ace, also on offense. He pulls off some death-defying stretch passes. This is a really nice, really good prospect that the Penguins picked up there at 54th overall. And after Addison, the Penguins trade up. They traded up back into the second round from 64th overall to 58th overall. So this is only four picks after Addison, and they really wanted Swedish forward Philip Hollander, an energetic winger with good skating and good puck abilities. He's probably going to play in the NHL, a high basement type of player, if that makes sense. He'll make it to the NHL in some capacity someday. It's just a matter of does he develop into a guy that can chip in as an energetic complement to a skilled forward and play on a second line or something like that, kind of like a, a Chris Kunitz was to... Sidney Crosby uh, back in the day in Pittsburgh, where I guess Patrick Hornquist is now to Sidney Crosby? Or is he just going to be a reliable, defensively responsible third, fourth liner? But like I said, high basement, 
We don't know what kind of an offensive potential Philip Hollander has right now, but he played against men for Timro in the Swedish Allsvenskan this past year. Penguins organization, very excited about him. I mentioned Hornquist two seconds ago, but that's a name that's gotten brought up a lot when it comes to comparing Philip Hollander to a certain player because he plays that energetic style, a never-say-die attitude, loves to go to the front of the net and punch in a lot of goals right there. So that is his, his playing style. Now, but because of that pick swap with the Colorado Avalanche, uh, that allowed Pittsburgh to move up and draft the guy they wanted in Philip Hollander. They didn't pick again until 129th overall. That's where they scooped up Justin Almeida, a somewhat diminutive but super speedy, super skilled forward that was undrafted last year. He is a year older than the other prospects I mentioned, Addison and Hollander, wasn't drafted in 2017, but now Pittsburgh grabs him in the 2018 draft. That was kind of expected. This is not an off-the-board pick by any means. People knew that Justin Almeida was probably going to get picked in a second year of draft eligibility after having a dynamite season with the Moose Jaw Warriors in the Western Hockey League. If you give me a moment, I will look up those numbers that he put up. But in the meantime, he skates like the wind. He's so quick. Uh, there's just a certain shiftiness to him, which assists him in being elusive as a somewhat undersized guy. And you can see that he can think the game while operating at top speed. That's something he showcased this season is that some guys, some players, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Justin Almeida doesn't have that issue. He can still make plays while moving at top speed. And his shot is something to behold as well. I can't tell you the number of times he pulled off a snipe in development camp, either in drills, pace drills, where the goaltender just kind of put his arms up and shrugged afterwards because he knew there was nothing I could do about that one, or in the three-on-three tournament. He shoots in stride while operating at top speed too, making him a real threat, and that's why he had, here we go, i got the numbers now, 43 goals, 55 assists for 98 points in 72 games with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff right there from Justin Almeida. So that is Pittsburgh's fifth-round pick. In the sixth round, they drafted Liam Gorman, a young man going to prep school in Massachusetts. He will go the college route. I believe he is committed to Boston University, which will endear him to Clark Donatelli and Mike Sullivan someday. Um, he's a bit of a project, a long-term project, but another guy that grinds it out, goes to the front of the net, kind of plays fearless at the net front. He tested extremely well in the post-combine workouts that teams get to do. Some teams get to invite certain players uh, back and do some further testing on them. That's where the Penguins, I think, really decided Liam Gorman is going to be a guy we're going to take a chance on later in the draft. They impressed him in their viewings at St. Sebastian School, that prep school that he attends in Massachusetts. And after the workouts, they were like, all right, Liam Gorman's our guy. Like I said, long-term project, going to be a while before we even think about seeing him in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but uh, a good solid pick. Oh, and the seventh round, the Penguins had a seventh round pick. I guess they didn't see anyone that they liked, so they just traded it to Vegas in exchange for Vegas's seventh round pick next year. They didn't see anyone they liked, I guess, in the seventh round this year, so they just added an asset for next year. And nothing wrong with that, especially that late in the draft. So that is the 2018 draft wrap-up for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Penguins organization. Some other news from throughout the summer. This one was moving the needle a little bit. Tom Kostopoulos and Andy Kyoto added to the Pittsburgh Penguins development staff. So Tom Kostopoulos, fresh off of his 
illustrious playing career, a legend here, of course, in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. He's going to remain with the organization as a development coach. From what I understand, he's still going to live with his family up in Toronto. He's going to be based out of Toronto, but of course, that's a hub that a lot of prospects come to. It's easy to travel out of Toronto, catch a flight to somewhere. Um, I'm sure he'll be back in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton roaming the catacombs of Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza to catch games down here in the AHL as well. But a development coach is kind of the perfect role for Tom Kostopoulos, especially given the way he was able to help those young prospects in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton as captain the past few years and help them become regular NHLers. The list goes on and on. Connor Sherry, Tom Kunackle, Matt Murray, Jake Gensel, Scott Wilson, uh, once again, on and on and on. Daniel Sprong and Teddy Bluger, eventually when they solidify themselves as NHLers, I'm sure they'll speak extremely highly of Tom Kostopoulos' impact on their career. It's kind of the next logical step in Tom Kostopoulos' relationship with hockey. Can't play anymore, or at least he decides he can't play anymore. He still looked pretty good in his time with the Penguins last year whenever he was healthy. But he hangs him up and becomes a development coach. Kind of a perfect role for him. Andy Kyoto, Penguins fans, a Penguins favorite from uh, back in the Calder Cup run of years past, who will be goaltending development coach. So he's going to step in and help guys like Alex Dorio in the QMJHL, also kind of help out with scouting a little bit, and of course be in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, working with the prospects here. You know what? Why am I telling you what Andy Kyoto is going to do? Why don't I let... Andy Kyoto tell you about what Andy Kyoto was going to do. That's right, a bonus guest, bonus audio here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I got Andy Kyoto on the horn when the news broke that he was going to be hired as the Penguins organization goaltending development coach. And let's go to that chat now. First of all, this has uh, got to be a pretty cool uh, opportunity for you. How did you uh, feel about landing this gig? Uh, I'm really excited. I think going through the process right away, starting with my conversations with Bill, it was just clear to me right away how professional the organization is and how well they do things from top to bottom and then uh, move forward with the position and join the group here in Dallas. Uh, all of those thoughts were really cemented when you look at how organized everything is and how professional everything is and how unified the group is and focused on one goal and moving in the same direction. So for all those reasons, it's been a really enjoyable experience so far. Now, you were a a pretty popular figure here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, whether it's social media or on the concourse at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza. I still hear people talk fondly of your time with the Penguins. How do you remember your time with Wilkes-Barre-Scranton? I have fond memories. The fans, organization at the time, it's, it was a time period, especially our Calder Cup run my first year and parts of that second year in the playoffs when we went to the Binghamton Senators. It was great memories that we shared with the fans and we had great teams. Um, I was fortunate to play with some great leaders, especially Tom Kostopoulos and there's a number of players on those teams that have all gone on to have really successful careers. And Catching everybody at the early stages, you know, the Mark Andre Fleury, Brooks Orpich, you go through a whole lineup, Ryan Whitney, Colby Armstrong, um, I can really name off 10, 12 guys that it was a really good environment. Um, so that's the stuff that really sticks out to me, of course, you know, I wanted to 
get that job done with the Calder Cup, that would have been fantastic if we could have won that last series and had that memory that we'd be able to call upon forever. But the, the time that I had in Wilkes-Barre is something that I really remember in a fond way, and I'm excited to go back. How awesome were those atmospheres during the playoffs uh, in northeastern Pennsylvania? Because the team was still relatively new, not brand new, but a pretty young franchise whenever you were coming in and people were uh, no longer new to the sport but still thirsty for that success. How cool were those playoff environments? There are memories that I, you just can't forget. I mean, it's hard to describe because there was a whiteout at every game. The fans were so engaged, it was so loud. The energy that we got to experience from the crowd pushed us through those playoff runs. And whether it was on the road, I'll never forget Bridgeport. But we were down 3-1 to one in the first round, and we had a game seven in Bridgeport, and there was probably 3,000 of our fans that made their way to Bridgeport to cheer us on. And those are memories that you didn't forget, and that's where the connection to the fans um, and all of our players at that time will look back and remember because not only were those exciting times on the ice, we got to share them with a passionate fan base that made things pretty exciting. You brought up Tom Kostopoulos a little bit earlier. You uh, spent some time with him, and it's kind of cool that this announcement kind of came in conjunction with the hiring of TK as development coach with Pittsburgh. Uh, they couldn't keep him away from the rink for very long. I don't think people are surprised about that. Uh, what can you speak about your time together with TK uh, back in your younger days playing with one another? Well, TK, he's, he's the ultimate captain. Mm-hmm. He's a leader. He's, he does things right every single day. And whether you're a teammate of Tom's or a staff member, working with Tom or a coach that has Tom's, your player, he does everything right, and you uh, you just respect him. You respect him as a player. You respect him as a human being, um, as a father. He's he just does the little things every single day that lead to him being a consistent player year in year out, and that make him a great example for young guys to follow, older guys to look beside and respect. He's a guy that does it right, and for that reason, you'll never hear a bad thing said about a guy who played with Tom. It's consistent. Guys share the sentiment and the points I just made, and there's a reason he played well over a thousand games between the National Hockey League and the American League. It's because he takes care of himself, he does it right, and he's got a competitive spirit in that drove him to play as long as he did. So when you have all those positive attributes culminating together, it makes for a guy that you want to have around. And I think that's why he was around so long. That's why he kept playing. If you look at his production at the end of his career, he was still scoring, still fighting, still doing all the things he did as a young player. And that's what makes him so valuable. And the organization is fortunate he feels so proud to be a part of the organization that obviously goes both ways but I think both sides are really fortunate to be carrying on the relationship Did you guys keep in touch at all after you uh, parted ways? Yeah, we've kept in touch over the years for sure um, Tom is someone that 
we have a young player coming into the league, uh, starting my professional career. We trained together, and obviously you go on a run like we did our first year. That kind of starts a bond, and we've kept in touch over the years. And you know, I consider Tom a good friend, and he's yeah, he's been someone that's been supportive in so many ways. And, been there for one another for many years and it's pretty <laughs> you can't predict this stuff 15, 18 years ago when we didn't started but for us both to be transitioning into life after hockey and having the opportunity to do it together um, is something that I'm very grateful for do you have any uh, stories you can share of a, a younger Tom Kostopoulos or by the time 2004 rolled around, he had already kind of established himself as a savvy, mature veteran? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is things have never changed. So he's just a prankster from day one. And <laughs> I think every single day you had to be on your toes because whether he's moving your car into another parking lot after practice or as a roommate of his, messing with you with even putting an ironing board behind the door that opens and when you open the door and slams down it in the face there's something whether he's taking somebody's socks and making them leave more in the skate with their dress shoes and no socks there's always something that Tommy's doing that keeps it light uh, that keeps everyone having a lot of fun one time he had a new home that he bought in Ontario in Oakville Martin Mississauga, don't quote me on that, I forget which, at that time, where it was, but right. he gave my wife and I the wrong address, and we went to visit him, and I walked right in to his neighbor's house, only for <laughs> this young, I think he was probably a 10 or 12 year old boy, looked at me, scared out of his wits, and then the mother came around the corner and said, you must be looking for Tom, he's next door. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's, a, he's the ultimate prankster, but he loves the team, he loves his teammates, and he just keeps things light. And, but at the same time, he's a relentless worker, and he has a high expectation, and he's got a desire to win and for everyone to do things right. So he, he really combines those two things really well. So given his uh, penchant for pranks, whenever he's trying to keep things light, are you going to have to be on your toes at development camp and at different trips throughout the season now? Yeah, I anticipate so. I mean, I haven't been around Tommy on a regular basis for quite some years, so we'll see how uh, <laughs> if he's kept that up. I think he has, based on what I've heard from his teammates. So, yeah, I think when you're around Tommy, you're on your toes for sure. Alrighty, well, let's bring it back to you for a quick second here. You spent the last year with the Ottawa 67s, a member club of the Ontario Hockey League, as a goaltending coach. What did you take away from that experience and hope to apply with this job with the Penguins? It was great to go through a full cycle of a season, um, getting on top of critical dates, working inside the team environment with the coaching staff, understanding the process leading up to the draft, learning the responsibilities on the scouting side of things, the player development side of things, um, working with OHL goaltenders, which is a different approach than working with professional goaltenders. Um, I did that in conjunction with a number of other things in Toronto that all kind of culminated together, whether it was my work in the media with TSN or um, coaching our goaltenders in the summer, young mentoring, young private goaltenders, you know, at the minor hockey league levels. All of that stuff together gave me a great scope 
of the game from a different perspective, from the perspective of be it coach, um, coach scout development. Basically, the facets of the work that I'll be doing here with the Pittsburgh Penguins will start paying more nailers. So the learning curve, if you're engaged and you're up for learning every day, it happens fast and you adapt, you get on top of things. And I thought that from day one, from when I stopped playing, to right now, it's been learning every day. And I had a great staff in Ottawa. Andre Cherini was the head coach. And they had NHL experience as coaches. They spent a few years each in the NHL, and they did things right. They managed their players with... They managed with a light touch. Sometimes they came down hard on guys. They always were teaching. It was always in the best interest of winning and developing young men as people and players. And that was relentless. It was every single day. So anytime I was in Ottawa, because obviously I was in and out of town, I felt like I learned something. And whether it was their individual meetings or the way they handled their video, the way they prepared for games, the way we all responded after games, I think it was an ongoing process that I really enjoyed. And I'm grateful for them because they did a great job. Awesome. Well, I can tell you for sure that uh, we're happy to have you on board at the Penguins organization. I know a lot of people are going to be excited to see you around Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza every now and then. And uh, once again, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Really appreciate it, Andy. You Big thanks to Andy Kyoto for getting on the phone with me and letting me record it for this illustrious podcast. And great to hear him tell those stories about uh, those great crowds back in Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza whenever the team was charging forth in the Calder Cup playoffs, making it to the final, and some of those great stories about Tom Kostopoulos, a younger Tom Kostopoulos, but still the captain of Andy Kyoto. He was still in his mid-20s, early 20s maybe even, and Tom Kostopoulos showing those leadership intangibles, but never taking himself too seriously. We hear Andy Kyoto is a little bit wary of Tom Kostopoulos's prankster personality, and it might come out again now that his playing career is over, but... I actually had a chance to ask Tom Kostopoulos what he thought of that as well. And TK said, Andy Kyoto has a few tricks up his sleeve too, so they're both going to be on their toes this season whenever they're traveling about on various scouting or development assignments by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Once again, Tom Kostopoulos and Andy Kyoto hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins as development coach and goaltending development coach, respectively. That was a big news item from the summer. Another thing that kind of moved the needle a little bit, was the schedule. Schedule's out. So the Penguins' 20th season of hockey, the schedule is out. I'm guessing if you listen to this podcast, you have a familiarity with how the schedule's going to work. I will mention that it is online at wbspenguins.com. So if you want to see what road trips you want to plan or how you want to organize your flex book for this upcoming season or maybe even dive into a full season plan if you're feeling real cocky. But schedule looks good this year. I like it personally. A little weird quirks with the a.m. start times um i'll see how i feel about that when we're actually playing them i have some reservations about those but all in all um schedule looks good to me two thumbs up from my perspective working the broadcast and media relations side of things so you're not going to get many complaints from me once again the whole schedule up on wbspenguins.com and that will do it for this very long-winded edition of of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast, the summer update. Hopefully, I 
satisfied your thirst for news and hockey talk here in the offseason discussing free agency, development camp, the draft, other news, and of course, big, big thanks to Tobias Lindbergh and Andy Kyoto for being my guest here on this summer edition of the Wilkesbury Grants and Penguins podcast. Thank you so much for listening, those of you out here that have sat through my ramblings for the past hour or so. Can't thank you enough, and soon enough, the season will be here. I know it seems far away here in the middle of July, but it always seems to sneak up on you, and then we are in it. Another 76 games, the 20th season of Penguins hockey. Let's make it a great one, folks. Can't wait to see you at Mohegan Center Arena at Casey Plaza this season. In the interim, enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you for listening. Oh,